Career Day Live is a Stop Clowning Around production. You can learn how Stop Clowning Around helps people succeed in life and career by mastering the art of connection and relationships by visiting StopClowningAround.com or Facebook.com forward slash StopClowningAround. If like me, you enjoy watching big buildings come up out of the ground until they're raised into spectacular structures, you might find a career in construction management very interesting. Our guest today, Rick Meckel, who works for one of the largest contracting firms in the Midwest, has experience from the early stages of his work to now leading an entire organization. He walks us through the steps of what life in construction management looks like and what it takes to get there. If you like construction, working with people, and being a part of something significant, you do not want to miss this episode. Rick, I want to thank you for joining Career Day Live and sharing a little bit about your role and experience in your field and industry. But I want to leave that to you. Could you share with our guest your role today and a little bit of the backstory of how you got there? Sure, happy to. And thanks for having me. Uh, my pleasure. So, my role today, if you were to look on my business card, it's, it's a it's a mouthful. It says Executive Vice President, Institutional Business Unit Leader, and Shareholder. And I would tell you, um, 19 years into my career. And I started out as a project engineer in the construction field. It's actually an interesting story on how I got there. Um, as a senior in high school, I was taking college preparatory classes for architecture. I always, I always just thought, I always grew up kind of liking to draw, liking to build things, fascinated by construction. And by the movies or the television, there's a superintendent and there's an architect. So I thought, well... I guess I, I guess I'll be an architect. So then, fast forward to senior year, I'm now in a creative writing class. And we have an assignment where we have to interview someone in our field. Well, I got an interview with someone who, who I thought was an architect, and it turned out he was a project manager on the construction side of things. And I, I shadowed him for an entire day, and I said, "Wow, this is great. I know what I want to be now." Um, took that into uh, into college. I got a construction engineering degree, um, and then started working and had just sort of worked my way through over the years, and and now have an ownership in the company. And uh, I just feel blessed and fortunate to be doing what I love and uh, to apparently be employable. So good. Excellent. You know, one of the things I really hope to pull out in this entire interview here is you have reached what many would consider a pinnacle. And I'm sure by you reaching the place that you're at, you have not stopped. You still are reaching further in life and career. But to many listeners, you've accomplished the top, yet you started in in the basic role. And I want to cover that a little bit. At the same time, you brought up your title. It was a mouthful, but when you and I were getting to know each other, you boiled it down a little bit into a more generic role 
of construction management. Can you explain that a little more of what construction management is? Because when I think construction, I think of guys with hammers and going around building stuff. And I'm not sure how they're related, but I'm asking you to define that for us. Sure. Sure. Well, I would tell you, I think you asked me if I've achieved my goal. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think I have. Um, I'm happy. That is a goal. So I don't, I never set out to say as soon as I get this position or this title or, or whatever, I'll be happy. I just set out to do my best and make an impact and make a difference. And so far, I, I think that's going pretty well. And um, who knows what's going to happen. I just, I, you know, I, I do plan and I, I strategically think, but, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Every day has its own, you know, full agenda. And um, I just try to maximize every day. And uh, right now, it's, it's I really love what I'm doing. And I would tell you to answer the construction management piece. So, yeah, you don't really think about it, but every everywhere you go, everywhere you drive, everything you look at, someone had to manage the process, manage the construction of that structure, that building, the bridge, the road. You have people that draw, you have people that do engineering, you have people that are actually using the tools and building it and pouring the concrete and setting the steel and swinging the hammers, driving the equipment. And then you have people that are supplying that material and that are fabricating that equipment and that steel and that are a company of people that will ultimately paint it or put the, the carpet down or install the lab casework. And as you might suspect, if you've ever gone on, on a vacation or done anything at your own house, you can't just show up with a bunch of people and expect it to happen. It takes thought. It takes planning. It takes someone that's got the whole thing in mind from beginning to end to really sort of watch over and guide it because there's a schedule that must be met. There's a budget that must be met. And at the end of the day, the building has to satisfy the expectations of the user. And they want, just like you want a a brand new car to work, that's what they want out of their building and they want to know how to use it. So behind the scenes, so to speak, there's a team of people that are working on, you know, quite, quite a few hours of the day. That explain it? Yeah, and they're just keeping the team going. Someone is managing that entire team and that entire process to ensure that every step is followed on time and the way it was originally designed to be followed. That's correct. And, you know, that role also serves as somebody that's going to seek out and find all of the different subcontractors that will combine together to give you a workforce that can do the job. They will issue contracts. They will check on the uh, submittals and shop drawings that those companies will submit to to show you they know what they're doing. And then they'll be out in the field monitoring, monitoring schedule production, quality, all of those things. And, And then ultimately they're interfacing with the client, making sure they're getting what they need and understand how to work it. Awesome. 
Hey, Rick, I want to touch on one point that doesn't really require an answer back. I just want to say I appreciate your answer, and I want to make a note to the young listener that is looking forward to their future career. I have yet to meet a professional that has scaled up the ladder, per se, that has reached the highest levels within their organizations that do not continue to grow. And so I appreciate your answer of, I am happy, but I'm not sure this is where I'll be forever because I believe great people are always moving forward at some level. And I just think that's important for our listeners to understand that if you want to grow, you cannot just stay. You have to keep moving forward. Totally agree. One question that comes to mind on this construction management is, to me, there's two types of construction. You have residential, these these homes and these subdivisions that are popping up everywhere. And then you have these big factories or office buildings, what we would call commercial construction. Is construction management necessary in both sides of the work, or is it more concentrated on commercial? What's the thoughts there if uh, I'm interested in this field? Sure. So residential, speaking of like single family homes, I'm assuming. Yes. Yes, that is is much different than commercial. And in my world, it's it's all large scale projects. Um, But to answer the question, Single-family homes, you know, your, your sort of median home, there is still a construction management aspect of that for sure. And what, what I think you'll find is that that team will be managing potentially an entire sub, subdivision, so to speak. Um, they're able to, you know, track and, and look at things and, and deal with multiple families on their house, you know, to determine and, and find out what they need and get it done. And it, it, it is different, but it, it does have parallel similarities to the sort of the large commercial that you would see, you know, in a city or, or a business park or a factory. Um, it, it's all about scaling up the, the, the need for the actual project team to be able to really manage all of the different layers of complexity and and as projects grow in scope and in size and in some ways um, project type, for instance, a hospital or a lab building that's 200,000 square feet will be more complex than, say, uh, a large office with a lot of open office areas that is also 200,000 square feet. So you would have a, a little bit of a different approach. Um, but in all of those examples, there is a level of construction management on every project. I want to dive in a little bit to what the life or the daily, weekly life of someone in these type of roles would look like. would like to start with a question about timelines. When I see these big buildings go up, those projects seem to take an enormous amount of time. What is the timeline of a standard project that you might work on? Um, this is an answer that uh, I'm going to relate to our experience. 
Um, we just finished, for example, we just finished a 290,000 square foot lab research and development facility. And we were able to put that in place in 22 months total. And it was actually phased. And the first phase was, was done in, in 18 months. Um, we put uh, the first year of that project in six months, we put $70 million worth of the project in place in six months. And um, the overall project value, just for uh, measuring the parameters, was $170 million total value. So one of the things our company does is really focus on the ability to deliver quickly. Um, another example, say, is a 500,000-square-foot medical office building, 12 stories, it was another project that was that was built in about 22 months. Um, most of our projects take anywhere from a year to two years, and we're we're typically doing projects in the 30 to 40 million to the 200 million. But we also have, you know, every once in a while have mega projects um, that might take two and a half to three years. You know that's up in the, the 500 million range. Um, another parameter we have a we have a large multi-year project for a university, and it's three buildings per year turnover. And you're starting in that sequence. You're starting May of say 2018, and then you're going to deliver in July of 2020. So it's about 18 months. Um, so does that, does that help you? It's, it's, uh, no, it's excellent. It, it's kind of what I see. You might see a house go up in four to six months, but these projects are much longer. Does a lead project manager or superintendent, do they work on multiple projects at the same time or they pretty much focused on one singular project? Typically, the lead project manager and the lead superintendent are focused on one project, and they're there pretty much every day on site. Um, and if it's a project that's out of town, say, they're moved to the city that that project is in, and, and that is just where they go uh, each day. So, yes. Can you give a little description of what an average day or an average week looks like for one of these guys? I know they're on the construction site, but what are they actually doing sure. while they're? Sure. Well, there are two different roles. Uh, project superintendent is going to be more focused on the actual workforce, the trades in the field, uh, the production in the field. And when I say field, I'm talking about on-site, in the building, on the, on the ground. And the superintendent will be engaged in the rest of it, but his his or her main focus is the actual act of construction. The project manager is engaged in that and and mindful of that, and and usually at least a portion of each day spends time outside looking at things and, and, and walking and checking. But they're doing much more on the inside, um, managing the progression of design, having meetings with the client, making sure everything is bought, everything is on its way, 
that the material you need will be there when it's needed, that the, that the workforce that is needed will be there when they're needed, sort of working on what's to come. So, right. So they're, they're getting everything and the superintendent's really putting everything in place and they work together. It's a, it's a very much a team approach. I like to, I like to focus, I like to apply it to like a football analogy, right? Because the offense and defense are two very different roles, but you can't have one without the other. And they both need to, to be on each other's team to really win. Right. So right. that's the easiest way I've been able to break it down. The project manager in my mind often is uh, to me, they're kind of working on planning and timeline management where I've always kind of seen the superintendent truly as, as the builder and the people and trade management. Is that somewhat accurate or am I off base? Oh, no, that's fairly accurate. And I'd say in both roles, it's really important to have, you know, a background and an expertise in the building industry. But both roles are are very much uh, people skill driven. Um, it's all about the people. It's all about relationships. It's all about working together. And, yes, the, the superintendent's main focus is the actual field, but his his partner or her partner is going to be that project manager and vice versa. They, they work together. And, um, but your summary was, was fairly accurate. Yes. Well, if, if the people part's important, I, I see these big projects and I really would not want to be a project superintendent or really a project manager. And it comes down to this reason. It seems like the sheer number of people on site is a very large number of people but my understanding is the superintendent technically doesn't even manage those people because those people work for subs that are hired underneath that superintendent. So is that really difficult to manage the fact that you're managing tradespeople who may not actually work under your exact payroll? Um, it can be, but you've got to keep in mind that they are working for our company when we hire them. So in essence, their payroll depends on their performance, even though their actual paycheck comes from their subcontracted company. So what will happen is every one of those companies will have a crew, which will have a foreman and those foremen work very closely with the superintendent and they have a very good rapport. And typically that's the core team of, of, of the supervision work that daily you'll have a foreman meeting where the superintendent will all, they'll talk through the, the plans of the day, what's going to happen tomorrow, what's going to happen in this week. They usually have a six week look ahead. That's constantly being talked about um, because communication is key and everybody's out there to be safe, do their job and stay in business. And the best way to do that is to work well with others and to, you know, not only be out there for yourself, but also to be out there to help everything go smooth. That is that is the ideal situation. So they they it is a, it is a challenge though because on your larger projects, obviously the, the worker hours increase. So what you might suspect is that those project teams will get a little bit larger and more complex. You might have a senior level project superintendent that has 
you know, a couple or three or four assistant superintendents working for them. And they'll, they'll sort of all be working together for the same thing, but they'll, they'll sort out the different divisions of work and focus on, on something that is manageable and not try to take on everything, but because ultimately that will become overwhelming, which will lead to some sort of failure. That was a fantastic description. I, I just want to thank you for that. I can only believe that you can describe it so well because in your growth of your career, you have experience in many of these roles. Can you explain some of the things that you love about it? Sure. Yeah, I do have experience uh, throughout the different roles and responsibilities of that. And um, I'd say, you know, there there is something really special about being on a project team working together, being able to deliver a project, making the client happy, making the users happy, you know, really just watching the thing come out of the ground, go from design to reality. It's just, uh, I mean, for the people that are in the industry, I mean, that's the, that's a very motivating, rewarding feeling. And I'd say a further step is the fact that we really care about what the occupants of the building are going to do after the building is occupied. And so, so, you know, we're always excited about this, you know, this company's doing research to cure cancer and we want to give them the best possible facility to make their people as, as effective as possible. Same thing, you know, in the healthcare industry. They're going to be treating patients. So we want this building to be the most amazing thing it can be so that those doctors and surgeons can help those patients as best as possible. So, I mean, that's the rewarding factor. Yes, the buildings are beautiful and everybody's driven by that. But the step further is to to know and, and understand what's happening after we're finished. That's actually really awesome. I think there's a lot of white collar roles out there that individuals work very hard, spend many hours a day, many hours a week completing their role only to look back and say, did I do anything? Because there's very little substantial things to look at that that actually you you know you did something. But I love how in this line you not only have a physical building to look at and say, wow, that just happened – I really love how you brought some significance to it that what the uh, organization using the building is doing, you can find pride in helping them accomplish that goal as well. This is, a, to me, a really inspiring role because at the end of the day, you do get to look back at something and say, I was a part of that. Absolutely. It's, it's, uh, it's something that's really special about this industry. Well, Rick, I like to ask another question. Following the good, I believe that every role out there has some great things about it, and there's always those things that just aren't as much fun. They're not necessarily bad. They're just not as much fun. What is one or two things that jump out at you that, hey, in this role, you need to know this because it's just not as much fun? Sure. And, 
you're speaking in terms of, of construction management, project management, correct. project supervision, correct? Correct. I would tell you that some of the most non-fun things I can remember is when you have to deal with people that aren't necessarily there for the right reasons, um, poor attitudes, um, not, you know, not following the guidelines set forth by the safety rules and where you have to just make the decisions you need to make to, you know, ensure the greater good of the project and the, the safety of all of the workers or the company in general. Um, it's not fun dealing with that necessary. Um, it, it is something that needs to happen. Um, I'd also say, you know, if I think about what isn't the most fun, you know, you do end up sitting in meetings. Um, sometimes that gets kind of long and old. And what I think you've you got to keep in mind is as the leader, as the project manager, it's your, it's your responsibility to run an effective meeting and to value everyone's time and to respect everyone's time and to really try to keep it beneficial. So everybody, you know, actually might even look forward to it, so to speak, because they know it's going to be, it's going to be an hour, like you said, and you're going to come out of there with clear direction, clear answers, good discussion, and it'll be meaningful. So there are, there are things that I think, that are negative or frustrating in the industry, but I believe that most of those things can be positive if you go at it with the right attitude and the right approach and the proper amount of planning. Um, you know, everyone wants um, to, be, to be rewarding and fun. Some things are more fun than others, but at the end of the day, I think most of it is most of it is positive. No, I get it. I, you know, and the reason I like to pull this out, Rick, is I am a DISC certified behavioral uh, analysis consultant. And the one thing I know about DISC is we all have behavioral profiles that are different than others. And we have natural strengths and natural weaknesses. They're just the tendencies that are built into us. And the reason I like to draw into this question is because it's important for us to align our strengths to the role we want to pursue. Our weaknesses right. will always be a requirement, and that's usually where the no fun's at. It's just because it's not natural to us, but they're usually a part of every job also. But I appreciate you getting into that because at the end of the day, you really need to understand who you are, what you like, where your strengths lie, and pursue that uh, opportunity in your life. Right. So let's get there. Let's say there's some uh, young man, young lady who's listening, or maybe even someone just looking for a career transition. This sounds interesting to them. They always like to ask this question about income. What, what, what kind of role do I get into first? And what can I expect on income? And Again, we're talking ranges, but if I were to try to get into this type of role and I want to reach that project superintendent, project manager role, what is the best way in? Um, you know, there's a, there's a couple ways. Um, traditionally, you see folks go to school, get a degree. I got mine in construction engineering. 
And uh, but I would tell you also there there are people in the industry that start in trades. And let me say, staying in the trades is not a bad thing. That is a very fine career. They make a very fine living, and there is a lot of pride. You talk about being associated with looking back on a project. Well, when you're the one actually building it, let me tell you, that is that is a different level of pride. So that's a very sort of a sidebar. But we do see sometimes that, for instance, um, I see a lot of superintendents that started as carpenters. Um, they, they move up through the, through the ranks in the carpentry, and then they get to a point, and they've been a foreman, and now they're going to be a superintendent, and they're going to, they're going to work on the whole thing. You can also go to school for that. Um, we, have, we, we hire folks every year that are coming out of school with some sort of construction management degree and some like to go into the field and some like to go into the, the quote unquote management side of it. Um, again, it's about kind of how you're, how you're wired. Um, I enjoy both of them. In fact, in my role now, I'm not in the field as much as I once was. And I do miss that part of it. Right. Cause that is, that is great to be out there every day. Um, but then there are people that like being in the office and, and like working on design and like just doing that part of it and like visiting. So both things. But long-winded answer, um, a management degree of some sort, um, and the other route is, is um, working your way up through the actual uh, trade. So I think this next question is really answered two ways, but I'm going to sidebar one of them, and that's through the way of the trades. Uh, my hope is whether with you or someone else you can refer me to, I would love to have a, a longer conversation on the trades, and just the reality is we're running out of time on this conversation. But if I come out of college, you know, I read a lot of reports of students coming out of college with their college degree really just having an unrealistic idea of what starting wages really are. Uh, maybe the university told them they can expect a number. Maybe they just have dreamed of a number. But what is a realistic starting wage range if I come out of school with a degree and I'm getting involved with a uh, reputable company? Sure, sure. Good question. I would say nowadays it's almost 2020. That's probably in the 50 to 70 thousand dollar range starting out. Uh, I'd say somewhere in that ballpark. It obviously depends on the market um, where you're where you're actually working. But it, just in comparison, I started in the year 2000, and my starting salary was 40 thousand dollars that year. Um, and obviously we're in 2019 now, so. I'd say in that 50 to 70 range is, is probably pretty accurate. And I think, too, if someone's really interested, there are, there are a lot of great resources online where they can really kind of dial into the different roles and the different markets and what they can expect to to make as a salary range, you know, as, as you start and as you move move up. So as one moves up and they reach some of the higher levels, and I don't really even want to assign a title to it, but they've just moved up and they're in the, let's say, top 10, 15% of roles, um, maybe industry-wide. What are some income ranges when someone's done really good for themselves? Sure. I'd say, um, you know, as you move to more senior level management positions and supervision positions, 
you're you're getting into that um, hundred plus six figure range. Um, and and again, depending on location and complexity and travel, that that all ranges or that all impacts the range. But you know, I'd say anywhere from 110 to 150, maybe more, uh, depending. Um, but it, it, it's a, it's a fantastic career. And, and, and I would say too, the thing about this field is, is there are so many other things you can do within the design and construction world with that background. Um, so if someone were to get a degree and they, they just became a little frustrated with that particular role, there are sort of peripheral roles and um, there are, there are people that need this type of skill set all over the world. So it's a wonderful, um, wonderful career. Well, Rick, I'm going to finish with one last question that I hope you can answer somewhat briefly, but I know that you're passionate behind it as well. And it is a little bit on the trades. Maybe this is a teaser for that future episode. Sure. But I think my own personal opinion, unintentionally, our school systems today kind of give a message to students that if you're smart, you go to college, you get a white collar job. If you're not as smart, then you move into more of the trade school type roles. And... I think there's a lot of people personally missing out on great opportunities, both financially and as well as fulfillment, because they are not even looking in the area of trades. But the real question I'm asking you is, can you respond to that someone's not as smart if they're in this type of role? Because you're with these people all day long, and I have a funny feeling you look at that completely different. Absolutely. Uh, That is such a false statement and it's actually insulting when i hear that some of the smartest people i know are, are the people that are physically out there every day working to build these buildings and i don't think it's an intelligence an intelligence category at all it's, it's about what you want to do um surely both of them are good but it has to be a choice of the individual if you go into the trades you are you are in the field very quickly. Um, you are not in debt with four years of school. So I mean, I'm not going to promote or knock either one of them. They're both good, but I, I would I would say the trades are great, and I think um, there is a giant shortage coming in the workforce. Um, over forty percent of the active workforce right now in most major cities is at or above retirement age and the the pace at which people are exiting is, is much larger than those that are entering so it is a very very um, open field for people getting into it and we're, we actually do a lot to educate the high schools about these positions because there there are alternatives to the you know the quote-unquote traditional route of continued education degree and then you know then some then some career job so i could go on a long time i think it's a good, <laughs> good teaser um because this this deserves almost its own 
own session. It really um, does. And, and that's why I, I, I don't want to move fully into that, but I appreciate you talking about it because what I've really come to learn in life, and I don't even want to say I had this perception because I was raised in a family of more tradespeople, but I sense this and I, I, I kind of see it at times. Some of the smartest people I know are actually in the worlds of trades. And, and, and for us to try to put intelligence of people based on what they do, to me, as you said, is it's insulting in general because we all have strengths and intelligence in certain areas. And just because I may be intelligent in one area doesn't make me smarter than this guy because he's much more intelligent in that area. And we just need to respect each other and see the amazing opportunity that is coming in the construction field in the world of trades. Absolutely. Well, Rick, I uh, thank you for the time. We really have run out of time. I want to respect your time. You're a busy man. Thanks for taking a moment to just pour into our young people and those looking for a change of what a, a role within the world of construction could look like. And for that, all I can say is a great big thank you. My pleasure. And um, I love helping educate the next generation because um, we're going to need them. This program is only possible with the support of guests that care about helping others find their calling. If you or someone you know would be interested in sharing, please email us at cdl at stopclowningaround.com. What do you want to be when you're older, when you're big and a little bit bold?